Good morning, good morning, good morning. Well, am I, is this, am I okay? Am I okay? Can y'all hear me? Yeah, you're good. All right. So, um, like Tyler said, my name is Garrett Cole, and I'm the children's pastor here. Um, I've actually been coming to this church uh, for about five years now, um, but I've been on staff for about a year, and I'm just super grateful for the family um, that I have here um, that has been formed here and that has grown here. Um, I have a family of my own, if you didn't know that. I have a beautiful wife. Her name is Haley. Um, And we have an almost eight-month-old named Ellis. And so that is is my beautiful family right there. And um, we just love being a part of this this body right here. And so um, if you see her later, you can give her a fist bump or just tell her what's up. She'll appreciate it. (laughs) All right. So um, we've been in this journey the past couple weeks about... Uh, this series called We the Church. Um, what are the things that should mark us as a people? What are the things, the attributes that people should see, how we behave, the, the behaviors we exhibit? Um, what are those things? And so we've unpacked that, um, and lots of different people have been able to speak on that. It's been great. We've talked about brokenness. We've talked about holiness, devotion, and honor. And this morning, we're going to build upon that, and I'm actually going to be talking about obedience. Somebody, somebody say obedience. Okay. Not a lot of response there. Everybody got real nervous just then. That's okay. Um, and, and I'm really excited because I think it's going to really kind of intertwine everything, and it's going to kind of finish this picture that we've been painting, that we've been trying to paint. And hopefully, some things are really going to click in our hearts and in our minds this morning on what it really means to be a follower of Jesus, what it really means to be a lifelong pursuer of Jesus. And so I'm really excited. Um, Now, I just mentioned that we're going to be talking about obedience, right? And some people, I feel like, maybe just kind of squirmed a little bit in their chairs. You know, they're like, I don't like being told what to do. That just, like, makes me uncomfortable. And, um, you know, we all have past experiences that have that have shaped our thought processes and the way we behave and even the way we follow Jesus, even the way we we see God. And when it comes to obedience especially, uh, I think a lot of people kind of perceive obedience to the Lord as like the Wizard of Oz, okay, like the original Wizard of Oz, not the weird James Franco version, like the original Wizard of Oz, like this huge flames and smoke, and like it's all for like the entertainment of God that we like obey Him in like this really domineering way, okay? And a lot of people have that experience, all right? Um, And I want to try to break that off this morning. I want to try to give us a new perspective of what it truly means to be a follower of Jesus, what it truly means to be obedient to the Lord. And just to kind of, to lay the groundwork early, the way I see it and the way my heart is, is, is speaking is like, obedience really, guys, if you boil it down, is just saying yes to Jesus. That's all it is. It's just saying yes to Jesus, okay? And I just want to unpack that a little bit more moving forward this morning. So we could talk about obedience. There's lots of different things that we could talk about it, but I'm really going to try to simplify and really just hone in on the, 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 what, or the why, the what, and the how, okay? At every single, in any, any passage that I read this morning or any story that I tell, I want you to think about three big things, okay? I want you to think about three big things. In any story or passage I read, that obedience is always a choice, okay? Obedience is always a choice. That's number one. Number two, obedience is always best, okay? It is always best. And number three, obedience brings fruit, 
but not necessarily blessing. Okay? I'll unpack what I meant by that in just a second. Okay? I'm going to, real quick, number the three things. Obedience is a choice. Obedience is best. And it brings fruit, but not always blessing. Okay? Now, the last thing, I just want to acknowledge the fact that when it comes to obedience, guys, every single one of us in here, me included, have failed when it comes to being obedient to God. Every single one of us in here have failed and fallen short. And so this morning, what's awesome is that we're all on a level playing field when it comes to obedience to the Lord. Every single one of us, whether you've been following Jesus for 30 years or you're not even following Jesus right now, okay, we are all on a level playing field, all right? Um, the only person to ever get obedience to God perfect ever is Jesus. He's the only one, okay? He's the only one. Um, so any story that I share this morning of my own experiences, hear my heart on this, y'all. It is not to puff myself up, okay? It is not to make me seem better or, you know, whatever. Um, and it's not to shame any one of you. I promise you, I'm preaching this to myself as much as I'm preaching it to all of you here this morning, okay? I promise you that. Um, so I'm going to pray really quick, and then we're going to jump into it. So Jesus, I just thank you for this morning. Lord, get me out of the way this morning. Get me out of the way. Would you be here, Jesus? Would you speak this morning? Would you give us ears to hear and eyes to see you this morning and you alone? God, let my heart not care about the vernacular and the, the eloquence at which I speak. Let my heart just care about communicating you and getting us closer to your heart this morning, Jesus. I give you this time, and I ask that you rule and reign in it. In your name, amen. Okay, so um, when I came to know Jesus and start to really actively follow Jesus when I was about 13 years old. And um, from then on, you know, Jesus really kind of transformed my life, and I wanted to tell people about him. I wanted people to know that I uh, followed Jesus. And I didn't always go about that process in the, in the most honoring way, in the healthiest way. I acknowledge that. Um, but, you know, when I got to high school, um, I was pretty well known as a guy that, like, followed Jesus. Um, one of my nicknames in school was actually Preacher Man. <laughs> For whatever reason, I don't have time to go into the story of how that originated, but a guy named Tyler Isham was like, you're Preacher Man, and, and it just kind of stuck. So, anyway, I was in the locker room one day getting ready to go back to class, and um, a friend of mine that I had actually gone into youth group with, and he had kind of started to make his own choices in life, he came into the locker room one day, and uh, he kind of had a smirk on his face like he was, he was ready to ask a question. He was like, I could just tell, he was like ready to ask like this kind of deep question. He's like, Garrett. So I chose to like, I, I like prayed the prayer, and I had salvation. I got salvation from Jesus, you know, a while ago. And I was like, okay, yeah. And he said, so does that mean that it doesn't actually matter what I do when I'm on this earth? It doesn't matter how much I sin. It doesn't matter what I do, what I choose to do. It means I still get to go to heaven. And I was kind of like, I, I honestly didn't know how to answer that question. I, you know, at the core of it, I knew that, to, you know, actually, biblically, yes, because Jesus died to forgive all of his sins, past, present, and future. And if he had truly put his complete faith, hope, and trust in Jesus, then yes, he would get to go to heaven. But I knew from the tone of the question and in my heart, something was stirring where like that, that question was kind of off. 
there was something wrong with that question, and I honestly didn't know how to answer it. And um, who else has had like that question before? Who else has had like that thought before of, you know, I'm like stamped and sealed, you know, by the blood of Jesus. So like, does it ultimately matter what I do while I'm on this earth? I get to go to heaven. Okay, it's a fair question. All right. Um, and what I would say to that is, is you know, what I wish I would have said to my friend um, in the locker room that day is that all Jesus is to you? Is that all Jesus is to you? Is that all that he died to, for? Is that, is, that, you know, is that all he died for? Was so that you could just like swipe the credit card, I'm good, and I just get to go to heaven no matter what I do. Is that all Jesus is? And, and so I think we need to ask ourselves that question. Is that all Jesus is to us? Is that all our relationship with Jesus is? I kind of think about a relationship with Jesus this way. I think about it as like this beautiful, perfectly wrapped gift perfectly wrapped gift, right? And it's Christmas morning, and I'm a little kid, and so I am chomping at the bit to, like, open all of my presents, but I see this one present that's, like, bigger than the rest. It's, like, perfectly wrapped. It's beautiful, and I think I know exactly what it is, right? I think I know exactly what it is, and I'm just ready to open it. And I've waited. I've been patient, right? And then it's, like, it's time to open this gift, right? And when it comes to Christmas, there's not typically anything that we've done to earn or, like, work towards to get these gifts that we get, right? Just like our salvation from Jesus. There's nothing that we could do to earn or to, to get it. We, Jesus gives it to us freely, excuse me. And um, so for my friend, it's almost like, and for some of us, and for sometimes in seasons of our life, our relationship with Jesus is like this. We've chosen to accept the gift. And imagine, like, we've chosen to accept the gift, and we're like, oh my gosh, thank you. Like, I'm so excited. This looks amazing. I just can't wait. <laughs> and that's it. That's it. We've received the gift. And then we just sit there and, yeah, we're thankful for it. But then we just, like, forget about it. Okay? That's, that was like my friend. Okay? That's not... Jesus' heart for us. No parent ever has like taken time to go out and buy a gift and wrap it for you to just like sit there and look at it and not open it. No parent ever has done that, okay? When, when somebody gives you a gift, they want you to open it. And any kid in here, if you can remember Christmas as a kid, if you got like this gift that I described, you would not sit there and just like let it sit down and you know, you would forget it. You would tear that wrapping paper apart. You would destroy it. You would rip open the box and you would explore every single nook and cranny of that box. Right? Okay? So that's what a relationship with Jesus truly is, guys. Okay? That's his heart that we would take and receive this gift that is completely free and we would tear apart the wrapping and that we would open the box and that we would really go in and explore what it is he has for us, okay? It's a lot like this. Can I see that, that our, our little graphic, okay? Like, this is what a relationship with Jesus should look like, guys. This is what's in the box. This is what's in the box. This is what is in the box for Jesus, that what he wants us to discover when we truly begin to open up the box, okay? Y'all see what I'm saying? Y'all tracking with me? Okay, a few of us are tracking. We'll get there, okay? Give me some time, all right? Guys, listen, if we truly had that encounter with Jesus 
where we've decided to put everything, our whole lives, into his hands, and we've prayed the prayer or done whatever, if we've truly done that, then we've had a transformation of the heart, okay? Biblically, we've had a transformation of our soul and of the heart. If, if we've truly had that, it should lead to a complete transformation and change in our physical lives. It really should. There's no way that we could have a true, authentic transformation in our heart and our livelihood and how we act and how we behave not change. Okay, we're missing something. We're missing something if that's what's happened. Okay, and I believe that obedience is one of the ways that we can begin to unpack the box. Okay, so why should we obey? Why should we obey? For, for my friends in the room that say, hey, I follow Jesus, um, I want to address you specifically for a second. Um, this is what I, this, the passage that I wish I could have answered my friend in the locker room that, that day, I wish I could have read, read him this. This is Romans 6, starting in verse 1. So if you want to turn there, flip there, text there, whatever, go ahead and do that. Okay? I'm going to get going with the reading. Here we go. Well then, this is Paul talking to the Roman church. Well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus, Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Okay? So what Paul is saying is people have discovered this unending grace that God has given us through salvation, okay? But he's saying we shouldn't just keep on sitting and living however we want to live so that we can just keep on receiving the grace. We're missing something if that's our mindset, if that's our heart, okay? By no means should we do that. Of course not. We have died to sin. If we truly died to sin, how can we live in it any longer, okay? To, to my friends, I would say that they maybe don't follow Jesus right now, okay? I'm super glad you're here, first of all. Super glad you're here, okay? What I would say to you is that, for me, I know that obedience is best because of the God that I truly believe in. I truly believe in a God that is all-powerful, all-knowing. He has created everything perfectly, okay? He's created everything from, like, the biggest galaxies and solar systems all the way to the, the, the littlest, you know, atomic molecules. He's handcrafted all of it. Okay, including me. And so I know that he has taken time, energy, and attention to truly map out the best plan and the best course for my life. And so that anytime I say yes to him, I know that when I'm choosing to say yes to him in obedience, saying yes to Jesus, I know it's best because that's how powerful he is. That's how good he is. Okay. And so the last thing that I want to say on why, uh, why we should obey God is because he's God, y'all. He's God. He is the God of this universe. Okay? We should want to obey him. We should want to obey him because he's God. We have got to get out of this mindset of, oh, well, I'm just going to obey. I'm going to be obedient because I'll get something out of it. Okay? That's false. That's false. We should never obey God because we'll get health or we'll get a good job or we'll have a, get a perfect marriage or a perfect family. Okay, we're never guaranteed, guaranteed that. That's why I say it's not, we don't get blessing, but we're promised fruit. 
Okay, Ashley said it really well last week. Okay, we are truly promised a lot when it comes to obedience. When it comes to saying yes to Jesus, we're promised a lot. We're promised more of Him. We're promised more of Jesus when we say yes to Him every single day. We're promised more of Him. What that looks like practically is we get more peace. We get more joy. We get more of those things that make up who He is. That's what we get. That's the fruit that we get by saying yes to Jesus. Okay? Now, what should we obey? What should we obey? Okay? There's two different things that we need to truly be obedient to. The Bible and the Spirit. Okay? There's biblical obedience and there's spirit-led obedience. Somebody say biblical obedience. Okay? Somebody say spirit-led obedience. Very good. Thank you. All right. I know you're with me. Sorry, it's my teacher coming out in me. <clears throat> okay, biblical obedience. Guys, we have to obey the Bible. <laughs> Bottom line is we have to obey the Bible. Well, what does the Bible say about what, how we should obey God? Jesus said it really well. Matthew 22, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Boom, right there. We could, we could take that, the greatest two commandments, and run with that for a long, long time and be, be really, really healthy about saying yes to Jesus, okay? Now, but God in his love has given us so much more very, very practical things to obey and to be obedient in and how to say yes to Jesus, okay? The Bible's full of them, okay? The Bible says to flee from sexual morality, okay? There doesn't seem like a lot of wiggle room in that statement, okay? To flee from sexual morality sounds like something I should be obedient to. Okay, that's 1 Corinthians 6.18. The Bible talks about how to treat your spouse. There's tons of passages on how to treat your spouse in the New Testament. 1 Corinthians 13. Okay, it talks about how to deal with conflict, how to truly have conflict resolution. That's something really practical that we, the church, should know how to do really, really well, how to deal with conflict. It's in the Bible, Matthew 18 and James 1. Okay, if you want to go discover that for yourself, I encourage you to do that. Okay, but here's the bottom line, guys. I can sit up here and tell you all day long, and you can come here consistently or go to life group consistently and hear people talk about different passages in the Bible. But we, the church, and you individually have to be people that go and read the Word and go and discover it for yourself, what the Bible says about saying yes to Jesus. Okay? If you truly want to go deeper in the box, if you really want to continue to open up layers and layers of that gift, you have to get into the Bible. Okay? Not only that, you can't just read it. We must be doers of the word. We must be doers. Okay, James 1, 22 through 24. James 1 is my favorite chapter in the Bible. Okay, here it is. This is the message version. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. Okay? We must be listeners, readers, and doers of the word. Okay? In order to do that, you have to go find what it says. You have to go discover what it says for yourself. Guys, I promise it's in there. A lot of us think that obedience is really, really gray and hazy and we just don't know how to do it. I promise you it's there. But you have to go do it for yourselves. Okay? I can't do it for you. Tyler can't do it for you. You have to go do it for yourselves. Okay? 
Okay, what's our other element of what to obey? Spirit-led obedience. Okay, this gets really hazy for some of us, and that's okay. I want to try to simplify it. All right, we have, if, we, if we are in Christ, we have the Spirit of God inside of us. Okay, if we, have, if we are in Christ, if we've chosen to follow Jesus, we have the Spirit of God inside of us. He is alive and active, right? He's alive and active. If he's alive and active, what is he there for if not to actively lead us every single day? What is he there for if not to actively lead us every single day? Okay? All through the Bible, we see um, men and women being led by the Spirit in order to have a choice to be obedient to God. And them either choosing to obey or not. Okay, I want to read you uh, this story. It's, it's awesome, okay? This is Acts chapter 8, starting in verse 26, okay? Now, this is after um, the church had kind of exploded out of Jerusalem. This is after Pentecost, okay? Um, and the church is, is exploding in the epicenter of the, of the new churches in Jerusalem, right? And it's going outward. Now, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go uh, rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come down to Jerusalem to worship and was returning. Seated in his chariot, he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit, this is where it gets good, this is important. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him, heard him reading Isaiah the prophet, and asked, do you understand what you're reading? Okay, and I'm going to kind of sum it up for us going forward. What happens is uh, the, the Ethiopian is, is reading um, a prophecy that's directly about Jesus, directly about Jesus. And, you know, Philip is asked, hey, do you understand what this is saying? And the guy's like, no, I have no idea what this dude is talking about. Is he talking about himself? Is he talking about somebody else? I am so lost. Can you help me? And Philip's like, yes, I can help you. Absolutely. So he hops up in this guy's chariot, and they start talking. And he takes him through that passage all the way through the prophets and talks about Jesus and how Jesus had fulfilled all these prophecies and what he had come to do on this earth. And this dude's like, this is amazing. This is amazing. i got to have this. Can I, can I, like, believe in Jesus? And at the same time, they're, like, riding by this pond, and the, and the, the Ethiopian guy's like, well, can I, what's stopping me from getting baptized? Can I get baptized right now? And Philip's like, absolutely, like, let's do this. So they get out of the chariot, and they go, and they baptize this. He baptizes this dude. And, this, and the Ethiopian man, he's like transformed. And he says he goes away with joy. He goes on rejoicing, okay? Now, what's important about this story, guys? The Spirit told Philip, okay? The Spirit said to Philip, okay? Now, here's the thing, guys. Philip had a choice to make. He had several choices to make, Okay? The biggest one I want to focus on is when the Spirit told him to go and join this chariot, right? Philip could have easily been like, ah, sorry, I'm like, I'm like a five on the Enneagram. I'm an, I'm an introvert. I'm a nine on the Enneagram. Like, i sorry. Like, I, I don't know what I'm going to say. Like, I, what if it, like, offends him? And, like, okay, he had that choice to make. It could have been awkward. It probably was awkward. Okay, but what did Philip do? He knew what the Lord had commanded him to do. Okay, he knew what the Lord had commanded him to do, and he heard the Spirit tell him to go. And he said, okay, no matter what the cost is, no matter how awkward it is, I'm going to go. I'm going to be obedient.
okay, because he knew it was best. He knew it was best, not only for him, but for this person he's about to talk to, okay? And then what happened? There was fruit. There was fruit, okay? You can keep on reading that story. I don't have time to unpack all that, but basically Philip got teleported to some, some crazy other place, okay? Seriously, it's in there. You can read it. All right, I'm not going to unpack it, but he did. He got teleported, so that's kind of some cool fruit if you want to think about it, all right? But the fruit that was generated in Philip's life was like, it was more intimacy with God, okay? Can we throw that graphic back up there, please? Okay, Philip had devotion to Jesus. So when they asked him, to, when the Spirit asked him to be obedient, he knew that he should be obedient, okay? And he knew he needed the Spirit. He, need, he knew he needed Jesus' help. He knew he needed Jesus' help through brokenness. He's like, I don't have the strength to do it myself. I need you, Jesus. And what that produces is more intimacy with Jesus because he saw the fruit, which leads to more devotion to Jesus because it's a deeper relationship. He continues to unpack the gift more and more and more, okay? Guys, the danger here is that um, we take biblical obedience and spirit-led obedience and we put them on like parts of a level and like we go heavily to one side or the other, okay? It's easy to do that, okay? I, I, I know it's easy to do that. We, the church, must find the union between biblical obedience and spirit-led obedience. We must find the union, okay? It gets really, really dicey when we focus on one and not the other, okay? Now, sometimes we get too caught up in, 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 the, in the verbiage and the vernacular that people use when they're listening and discerning the spirit, okay? We got to stop getting caught up on the words that people use. The bottom line is, is that the spirit speaks to all of us. He speaks to all of us in unique ways. Some, some way that the Spirit often speaks to me is through movies, okay? Because I love movies, okay? You can ask my wife. I use movies. I feel like the Lord is, is he highlights a movie to me, and he, I can relate it to something that, that the Lord is asking me to do, okay? The Spirit speaks in unique ways. He's that powerful, okay? So we got to stop getting caught up on, on this, that, and the other about when people say they hear from God, okay? The bottom line is we have to use the Word. We have to discern what the Spirit says, that we think the Spirit is saying to us, and then we have to filter it through the Word. We have to filter it through the Word. The only way we'll be able to do that in a healthy way is if we know the Word. Okay? All right? The only way we'll be able to do that is if we know the Word of God. Okay? So we feel a prompting from the Spirit, we discern what He's asking us to do, and we test it against the Scriptures. Hey, if it's biblical, if it aligns with the character of God, if, it's, if, we highlight a, if the Spirit highlights a passage, we do it. We do it because we know it's from God. Okay, does that make sense? Are you all tracking with me? Okay. Guys, the more and more we do this, the more and more it, it gets easier. I promise. It seems like this kind of far off thing, but it does get easier. The more and more we mature, the more and more we unpack the gift, the more and more we say yes to Jesus every single day in the little and the big, it gets easier in discerning what the Spirit says and filtering it through the Scriptures. Okay. So... Um, I, just an example of this in my own life, guys. I was on Revive a couple years ago. I was on Revive a couple years ago, and I was uh, a section leader at the time. And the temptation when you're on Revive, you know, we, we go to LSU, and the whole trip is really about obedience to God and saying yes to Jesus. That's really what it is, because we're telling other LSU students about Jesus. That's the focus. And so the temptation for a leader is to have a lot of tangible things go well for you, okay, so that People can know, like, you're mature, 
and that like you're obedient to God and that like you're a good follower, healthy follower of Jesus. Like that's the temptation. And so comparison is a really easy thing to get into. And quite honestly, guys, I wasn't seeing a whole lot of things happen uh, on Revive. I was trying to be obedient to the Lord and I was trying to ask to pray for people and to share things with people, to encourage people. And um, nobody was really receptive. It was really hard. And so the last day, I was like, God, today is yours. What do you want me to do today? And this is what I felt like the Lord was asking me to do. Garrett, I want you to put in your headphones. I want you to listen to worship music. And I want you to pick up trash all day long. All day long. I don't want to talk to anybody. I want you to trust me completely. That even if you don't talk to anybody, it's okay. You're doing exactly what I want you to do. You're picking up trash. You're blessing some people. That's it. And guys, that was really hard for me to swallow. I thought Mitchell Welch was going to like find me and like confront me. Like, Garrett, why haven't you talked to anybody about Jesus? Like, that's what we're supposed to do here. Like, that was a fear, you know? But I was like, okay, Jesus, how does this align to the scriptures? How do I filter this through the scriptures? And I knew that um, this would be a humbling experience for me, that I would be going low and serving. And it's very biblical. So I knew it was from God. So I did it. I did it. It was really hard, and it was really awkward, and I had a lot of people asking me, Garrett, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm just picking up some trash. <laughs> and then the, the last thing is that I was like, God, can I, how do I like, tell people about this? And he says, you don't. <laughs> you don't tell people about it. Because even if I was to share that with people, with my section, when I got back to our home, our home base or whatever, I would be sharing it out of a place of like wanting to glorify myself, of, oh, cool, like Garrett heard the Spirit, and like he was obedient to the Spirit, and so he like, picked up trash all day. That's awesome. Way to go, Garrett. But that's not what God had for me. That, that wasn't the point. I was going to miss the whole point if I was going to tell people about it. It was hard, y'all. It was hard. Okay? Can I get that graphic one more time? Okay? It was through this. It was through this. This is why I could say yes to Jesus. This is why I could say yes to something that was completely out of left field. It was weird. It was awkward. Okay? But because I'd chosen to devote myself to Jesus by reading his word, worshiping, being obedient to him, I knew that when he asked me to be obedient, I could do it. I could say yes to him. As weird as it sounded, as weird as it felt, okay? But the whole time, I promise you, I was praying. I was like, God, I just want to talk to somebody. Like, I cannot do this on my own. This is actually really hard to keep on doing. Can you please help me? And he did. He did. There was incredible fruit of just added intimacy with God. Because I was like, God, you're amazing. Like, I know that you're still working, even if it seems weird. Even if I'm not talking to anybody, even if I'm not doing, like, really active things that are spiritual, I know you're still working. Okay? All right, guys, I'm almost done. Hang in there. Okay. So, how to obey. How do we obey this? We know why. We know what to obey. How do we obey this? How do we sustain it? How do we make it active in our lives every single day? Okay, how do we do it? I want to give us an example. It, and, and really, guys, the bottom line is, is it comes down to um, what I just had up there, the little graphic, okay? It comes down to that. It comes down to that relationship. And I, I want to have an example of it um, biblically in Hosea. If you want to turn there, Hosea chapter 3. Okay, Hosea chapter 3. I'm going to get going. The Lord said to me, this is Hosea talking, Go. Show, show your love to your wife again, though she is loved by another man and is an adulteress. Love her as the Lord loves the Israelites, 
though they turn to other gods and love the sacred raisin cakes. So I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and about a homer and a lethic of barley. And then I told her, you are to live with me many days. You must not be a prostitute or be intimate with any man, and I will behave the same towards you. And then Hosea goes into, into a prophecy, a very similar prophecy um, about the, the nation of Israel and Jesus. Okay, Why do I share that? Hosea understood. Can I? Sorry, one more time, y'all. Hosea understood this. Okay, let that passage like really sink in. Let that passage really, really sink in. Okay, this is a man of God who is responsible for making sure like the people of, of God followed him. Okay, God had asked him to marry this woman Gomer, who was a prostitute. They had had kids together. Everything is going hunky dory, and then all of a sudden. Gomer decides to go back into prostitution. By law, Hosea was like legally able to divorce her at that point. He could have very easily said, hey, I'm done. Sorry. I'm taking the kids. I'm out. Okay? Very easily could have done that. But the, the command from the Lord was clear. Go show your love to your wife again, though she is loved by another man. And then he goes a step further and buys her. Buys her out of prostitution. Okay? pays more than the price of a slave in that day, okay? Buys her, goes the extra mile and says, hey, you're my wife and you're not going to behave that way. I love you. I'm not going anywhere, okay? The Lord has commanded me to do this and I trust him, okay? Hosea had devotion to the Lord, so he was obedient. But the whole time, I can't imagine having to walk to like find his wife to find his wife in the red light district of that area, to go and find her, I would have had to like take a prayer every single, take it, with every single step, I, I would have been praying. God, I can't do this without you. I'm going to be mad. I'm going to be bitter. I'm going to be angry. I'm going to be rageful. I need you. Okay, that's that humility piece that Ashley talked about. Brought, brought his wife back home. There's fruit, restored relationship, and there's intimacy grown with the Lord. Okay, all right, I'm going to get the band to come back up. Guys, we got to understand that the great thing about that gift that I talked about at the very beginning that I've been talking about, unpacking it through that relationship, through that obedience, through that devotion, through that intimacy, through that brokenness, unpacking it, it's like one of those Mary Poppins bags, okay? She's like reaching in and like never ends. Okay, I promise you, the more and more you dig into that thing, it's never going to end. You're going to find more and more and more and more and more that the Lord has for you by just saying yes to him in the little and in the big. Okay, saying yes to Jesus in the little things consistently makes saying yes to Jesus in the big things a lot easier. Okay, the locks are sitting over there. And uh, they just told us, you know, that they're going to be moving away, far, far away from friends and family. I can probably guarantee you that that was something that the Lord was speaking to them and inviting them into. And it was hard. Okay, It would have been hard. But because the locks say yes to Jesus consistently every single day and actively, it made that decision to say yes to Jesus in the big thing a lot easier. Okay, The little things look like getting up and you know, encouraging your wife. The little things look like getting up and reading the Word, okay? So, bottom line, guys, is what's stopping us? 
What's stopping us? Okay. I think we need to do this. Why don't we all stand up for me? What's stopping us from active daily obedience to the Lord? Okay. I think we just need to really take a moment and, and really ask ourselves one question. Do you believe that God is who he truly says he is? Do you really believe that God is who he truly says he is? Okay. This is my God. This is the God that I choose to say yes to. Who, this is God speaking right here, Job 38. Who is this that obscures my plans with words without knowledge? Brace yourself like a man and I will question you and you will answer me. Where were you when I laid the, the, the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. Who stretched a measuring line across it? On, what's, on what were its footings set? Or who laid its cornerstone? While the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy. Who shut up the sea behind doors when it burst forth from the wound, when I made the cloud its garments and wrapped it in the thick darkness? When I fixed limits for it, set its doors and bars in place? When I said, this far you may come and no further, here is where your proud waves halt. This is our God. This is our God. That's how much he cares. That's how detailed he is. We have to understand who God is to every single one of us. That's how we're going to say yes to him. Okay? So as the band's playing in just a second, I want you to, I want you to, to ask yourself this question. God, is there anything... I want you to ask the Lord, actually, not yourself. I want you to ask the Lord. God, is there anything that you're asking me to be obedient towards right now that I need to say yes to you in? Whether it's big or small, have that, have that talk with the Lord. Journal about it. Write it down. Have that conversation with somebody around you. Okay? And when the Lord speaks, because he's going to speak to every single one of us, okay? don't forget it. Do it if you can. Right here in the moment. Do it if you can. Okay? Write it down. Don't forget it. Be obedient. Say yes to Jesus. I promise. I promise. You always have a choice. Don't get me wrong. But it's best, and it will bring fruit. Okay? So, Jesus, I thank you so much. God, I just have to acknowledge right now that, like, I, I'm just going to repent right now. I'm going to acknowledge the fact that I have failed when it's come to saying yes to, to you. And so right now, I, I acknowledge that. I ask you to forgive me. And, Lord, I ask you to speak right now, not only to me, but everybody else here. Speak something really, really specific for what we can be obedient to. Whether it's a dream to start to chase after, but we haven't because we've been afraid. Whether it's a relationship we know we need to get out of, um, but we've been afraid to do it. Or whether it's, you know, we need to call somebody up and just say, hey. Whether we need to maybe gift somebody with, with something that they, we know that they need. How would you speak to every single one of us individually, Lord? Trust you. Holy Spirit, come blow through this place and do what you do, God. Would we say yes to you? Would we, the church, be people that is marked by just saying yes to you, Jesus? We love you. Praise all in your name.